This is a HeadGum Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not, like, getting too hot or too cold or whatever. You know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it, like, doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today. You'll get 40% off. Use the promo code FakeTheNation. Go to TryMiracle.com slash FakeTheNation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to TryMiracle.com slash FakeTheNation and use the code FakeTheNation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's TryMiracle.com slash FakeTheNation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 255. Hello, hello. This is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we're still wiping the tears from the Friends reunion. I'm your host, Nagin Farsad, and I wasn't a huge Friends head, but I do like an excuse to cry. Today, we're going to talk about the origins of COVID, that one reporter who got fired for that one tweet, and burnout. Is it just a thing we say, or is it a real phenomenon? Today, I'm joined... Oh, oh my God. Today, folks, today's panel. Oh, this is fantastic. I am joined... Uh, by a comedian who I, whose work I love. You've heard her on this show before. You can see her handiwork on Showtime's Our Cartoon President because she fancy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Cody Linquist. Hey, Cody. Hello. And, guys, I've been trying to get this guy on the show for a minute, but he's so in demand. You've heard him on uh, NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Maybe you've even heard him with me on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. He's also a correspondent for CBS Sunday Morning. Um, he can do really fantastic uh, cartwheels on demand. I've seen him do it. Uh, he's also the host of the podcast Mobituaries. He's the writer of books, and he's just done so many things. I really can't go through his Wikipedia page right now, so you just have to take my word for it. Folks, it's Mo Rocca. Hey, Mo. Nagina, I'm so happy to be here, and I'm so happy that there's now an on-demand cartwheel channel. 
Yeah, you I can, can just also go do to a cartwheel, 1, guys. I can do a cartwheel too. Just oh, just oh, guys, to... guys, Cody can don't don't feel left out. I took folks. gymnastics Cody can in do... school, so. <laughs> Cody, your premium, your showtime. Thank you. Uh, I know you don't need the cartwheel channel. You don't need the cartwheel channel. That's like for D-list people like me and Mo. Um, all right, folks. I, before we get into the show, I just want to remind everyone, and I'm prom- and I'm and, and this I think is the last time I'm going to remind remind people that I have a show. It is called Nagin Farsad Presents. Uh, an evening of comedy from her mouth hole. It will be on June 8th. That is Tuesday, June 8th. That's next week on June 8th at Caveat in New York City. If you're anywhere near New York City, please come see the show. It's a vaccine passport show, which means you just got to show proof of your vaccination through your CDC card or through your Excelsior pass. Um, Excelsior makes it seem so medieval times. You know what I mean? Like we're going to be in there chomping on turkey legs. But it is in fact just like a vaccine app. Um, And uh, it's super easy to use. I've used it now many times. Uh, it's really exciting. There's things opening and things happening in New York City. So come see this show. I would love to see you there. They just increased the capacity to 60%. So um, there's a few more tickets and I would love to see you guys there and I hope we do. And now we are going to get into it with topic number one. Remember um, how early in the pandemic there were rumors that COVID could have come from a lab and we largely dismissed it then. But now there's some more evidence that maybe that's true. To be clear, we still don't know definitely, but there is a chance that this was some island of Dr. Moreau shit and that the Chinese were making crazier COVIDs and one baby COVID got out and turned into a monster COVID. Um did you guys catch this news? And what do you think? I just want to say I'm really proud of liberals because we allow science. <laughs> Wait, this is a first time in fake the nation history. So proud. That anyone is proud. Okay, I we're am. proud of liberals. Because, you know, we listen to the evidence. And if the evidence says that we were wrong, we change our minds. So maybe we were yeah. all like, oh, this is a Trump conspiracy theory. Like, you know, all of it. But now, okay. If science says it happened, then I believe science. And uh, uh, yeah. uh, whatever they come up with, whatever they decide, to, like whatever people tell us, uh, the truth is, uh, people tell us the truth is, I mean, that sounds terrible. Who are people? But I, I'm, I'm proud of us for, for <laughs> leaning into the evidence-based uh, science, changing our mind. Oh, my God. Who are people? People People who, people who need people who need science are the luckiest people in the world. Um, no, I look, just said I I'll believe that. anything someone says. That's not what I meant. But you know, you know what I'm saying. I mm-hmm. think more than once Donald Trump said something oh in an inf- yeah. in in an inflammatory, outrageous way, and a lot of people, myself included, instantly said, no, that can't be true. But deep inside, deep inside, there was a part of me that thought, wait a minute, what if it's true? What if there's what if there's some truth? And, and you know, we've, we've all had that experience, I think, in our lives where there's that person who, you know, maybe he's at the end of the bar, right? And he's saying something like in the movie The Birds. Or, or he's your the uncle. Guy, like there was, okay. it, it could be my uncle. God, I wish okay. I had an uncle who was in the movie The Birds because I love that movie. But, you know, the person saying the birds are coming to kill us and everyone says he's crazy. Like, birds are going to kill us all. It was a guy with an Irish accent in the movie. Right. And, and it turned out that he was right. 
You know, Mo, I mean, I think the thing that you're really pointing to is the fact that a broken clock is right twice a day. You know what I mean? And so we had an unwell president who was right a couple times. Uh, and we do have to recognize that that happens super accidentally. Um, the let's here, Let me just tell you guys a couple of the deets on this situation. Um, those are abbreviations that I hope you'll follow. I get it. I get um, it. The, okay, thank you. Uh, the Chinese have basically refused access to the labs where um, so what happened is it turns out three of the people that were working in the lab where uh, near the, where the virus was found um, were sick with COVID like symptoms in November. Right. So it was before any of the recorded reported cases came out of China. A couple of other weird things. Um so the outbreak started more than a thousand miles from the bat habitat where similar vi viruses had been discovered, but just a stone's throw from an important laboratory that was studying that coronavirus, right? That laboratory where three people were sick. Um, the Chinese arrested whistleblower doctors during the first stages of the pandemic. So like we're also dealing with a government that isn't like the most delightful in terms I mean, of collabing. Na you know? Name a government that is, really, Nagin. I think that all the governments <laughs> I'm going to go are... ahead and say Denmark. Oh, is it Denmark? If this, if this originated in Denmark, <laughs> we would have a full uh, disclosure report that would tell us every detail. Everyone would know and all would, that and shit. And we'd be get free chocolate on top of oh, it. Oh, and there would be beautiful little wooden toys with bright <laughs> colors that would help explain it to us. No, I mean, the Chinese government I mean, it's kind of evil. I mean, it's, you know, you have to, I mean. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're going full action, like I'm not action going movie full access. language. I'm not going full, I'm not go going full access of evil, which sounds like another premium service. <laughs> evil access. <laughs> evil plus. Because everyone's putting a plus on the end of their streaming service. <laughs> but no, I mean, okay, I'm, I'm going to go really dark here for a moment. But as I do Please. each morning asking Alexa to play NPR headlines, they were describing China's new population program. And they were kind of doing sort of an, an obit on the one-child policy that China used to have. And apparently when families would violate that, they would burn families' homes down. I mean, it's kind of... It was it, a different time, though. It was the it was, 80s. I it know. Was the it 80s. was like before the they discovered full capitalism. It was just like mini capitalism back then. And now it's just, you know. So we we, we can't trust them. Okay, we get it. You know, we I do think, trust them because I think yeah. my thing is going to be it's going to be more difficult if we realize that it didn't come from a lab and it came from like eating animals or having exotic animals as a pet like we really do need to take a look at how we treat animals animal farm is real the animals are coming to kill us all and sure. i think we really do need to take a hard look at how we consume raise and um morally treat animals but um, you know if they do which is a harder discussion to have than a lab no, accident I know, I know but if they do come to kill us i hope that they don't when they talk, I hope their lips don't move because while I love the movie <laughs> Babe, that aspect of it uh, is really creepy. When that's lips wait, move, so the murderous part would you'd be okay with? It's like the lip, but don't talk. Like murder us, but don't talk to us. Here's the thing, and I'm really not just trying to plug one of my projects, but when I worked on the Peabody <laughs> Award winning children's program Wishbone on PBS, Wishbone, a delightful Jack Russell Terrier who in his dream life became the heroes of classic novels, he didn't move his lips when he talked. So <laughs> mm. he he was charming and he never creeps you out. But I just don't 
and Gotta, yeah. animals that are coming to kill us just don't be super I cannot help I cannot help but think that this was an elaborate way for you to plug that one children's it, show it worked and because I, I am a mother and I am now going to show it to my children now you're so writing it, it down and now yeah. your kids are obsessed with it already I mean you know Mo you really did it <laughs> uh, here's my question there's a couple more deets about the Cheneys and how they may be evil plus the new streaming service um, universities have been instructed not to publish any report that indicates the virus originated in China Lovely. that's weird because at this point we all know journalists have been harassed when they try to investigate caves in South China. Um, and what's weird is that the Chinese are just unwilling to do any of the lab testing that would totally solve this mystery. Like if they just tested those three people that in November had COVID like symptoms and showed us the test and they were like, see, guys, it was just like a whatever. Someone ate a bad, you know, a bad a, muffin one day. A, yeah. It was that. And it wasn't this thing. Then we and then they would have put it to bed. But it's weird. That they're going through such lengths to not just put it to bed. You know what I mean? So now all we can do, because also they control the flow of information within their own country. And so maybe they're sort of like, who gives a fuck what, what's being said in, in other countries? Like I said, they're not delightful when it comes to international communication. Yeah. I also, here's my question for you guys, though. Why is it important? Um, or no, do you worry about the kind of testing that they do? So like, Part of the thing that the part of the theory is that they were doing this testing in a lab that had BSL two security, which is a lower security than the BSL four lab security. You gotta save money where you can. Gotta save money. Well, you know, right, right. Like the BSL two labs don't have the grand molding, but the BSL four labs definitely have that nicer touch. Um, But the they were doing it at a lower security like lab where they went with and the thing that they were doing was like fucking with these viruses to make them stronger to be like what would happen if we just made if we add a little jalapeno and made them a little stronger you know so and apparently that's a thing that happens and some of this stuff was happening in this lab funded by american taxpayer dollars right like it's not even anything weird it's like this kind of testing happens what do you think of this kind of testing and did you know it went down well, I mean, I love America's Test Kitchen. I mean, it's one of my favorite cooking shows. <laughs> so I'm glad that the Chinese are adapting yeah. it for, you know, to promote yes. science. <laughs> I guess, I mean, right, they're, they're presumably testing these things to make them stronger so that they can make, like, uh, vaccines for things that might happen naturally. Is that like this point or is it like a bioweapon type situation? Right. I mean, the interesting thing is there's like these two scientist dudes that had a bet that like um, that there would be by uh, 2020 or the end of 2020 or whatever, a a pandemic that would take started with bioterror or bio error that would result in uh, one million in casualties, which is a real sick fucking bet. But a bet was made between these famous scientists, science ethicists or whatever. Well, we were due for one. Uh, and they can't figure it out if it's bio error, bio terror or, or a typo. Just, is that a typo or 
Or <laughs> so to settle their bet, they need to come up with why the coronavirus happened. I mean, the Chinese basically have to. Yeah, we need to figure. I mean, because I think one thing is, you know, Cody, you mentioned this thing about animals. Let's like figure out what we're doing with animals yes. just once and for all globally. I agree with that. And then let's also figure out like I get that these labs, I you know. I want someone to make the really great case for why making viruses stronger in a lab setting to see what could happen is useful. Like, what is that? It maybe it's not useful. You know what I mean? Like, maybe we don't do that anymore. I don't know. I'm up. I'm I'm into having that debate. Or maybe Mo? or maybe mm. the next leader of China should be Daniel Hume from 11 Madison Park because he mm. is willing to make <laughs> tough choices and turn yeah. one of the greatest restaurants in the world, which I did a piece on. This is not plugging that because it was a news yeah, piece. Yeah, There's yeah, no okay. money that I can get from it. But it, it's but it was one of the world's greatest restaurants. He just said, after reflecting on the pandemic, this thing is going full vegan. They're going to have a little cream for your coffee. They will do that. But that's it. So they have to. They have to face it. And we don't want to face it. We make a joke that AOC wants to take away your hamburgers. But, you know, we do actually need to lessen our meat consumption. We need to stop giving all these animals antibiotics. We need to um, stop factory farming. We need to stop like exotic animal farming, which is a cultural thing. And that's difficult uh, it's these are difficult conversations to have. So it would be way easier if we were like, it came from a lab. We won't do it again. We promise. Bye, 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 bye. Um, but instead, we need to have these conversations about animals before they rise up with their mouths yeah. moving, Mo. And, and they talk to... to us before they murder us, uh, which they will do. Which is a nightmare, which is the biggest <laughs> part of the nightmare, not the murder, just to be clear. And also, I want to go ahead and for like the international community to have that fun conversation of like, guys, when we do a lab... What's the interior design and mm. what kind of security precautions are we going to take? Yeah, you Americans know what I mean? uh, and I'm, I assume the Chinese government, we're not very good at like investing in things. You know, we have a crumbling infrastructure. We're not going to be like, let's spend a little bit more money to heighten uh, heighten the security. We're sort of like, oh, let's cut corners. And if a global Ugh, pandemic happens. It's like my happens, parents, though, like, too. It's I my know. parents do the same thing. Coupon they re, you know, They'll redo a, a bathroom and then they'll just be like, no, but let's get the cheap toilet, right. everything. And no, no one if will you're going to go through the hassle, get the better toilet. It's going to break. Get a better toilet. Guys, <sighs> let me know, folks, what you think of what's going on here. Uh, what is your biggest concern? Are you, what do you think should happen internationally? And um, in the meantime, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to learn about our sponsors. And when we come back, who are great, by the way? Love our sponsors. <laughs> Did I mention? Let me take a moment to just say love our sponsors. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about tweets. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. 
Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there, and you know what? You can update it with an app, so every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HEADGUM at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Today's show is sponsored by Pros. This is kind of, I feel like, you know, I'm on some sort of Lord of the Rings journey trying to figure out skincare. And I feel like this customized skincare line is really got my name on it. Basically, every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skincare, I tried the skincare just recently, is made to order and it's personalized. It's got a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs, like specifically you. And then the way they do it is you take this great, like in-depth quiz, basically. They analyze over 80 factors for a complete view of your life, your beauty goals, Um, Like I have oily skin that's also dry, which is just a fun little conundrum. I live in New York City. Like we've got these four seasons. My my face gets weird during seasonal shifts. Um, I all of these things I got to kind of talk about in like in answering the questions. Um, The other fun thing was they asked us at the end, like, do you like a creamy type of moisturizer or like a less creamy kind? And I was kind of like, I think like less creamy. And they were like, that's fine. Like you can do that, but we think for your skin type, creamier is better. And I never knew that. So I love that there's so much kind of personal information that goes into creating this. I got my stuff in the mail very quickly after I got a wonderful serum. Like I said, this very creamy moisturizer. Um, And this also very just delectably creamy cleanser that just kind of feel like I, I think it's possible that I've been washing my face with just like harsh harshness for like many years because when I saw this cleanser I was like oh is this what it's supposed to feel like it's supposed to feel like a little bit of a delight on my face that's not what I've been doing so I don't know guys and here's the thing you don't have to take my word for it in a third-party double-blind dermatologist supervised controlled clinical study um, which is like the gold standard for research studies Pros prove that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives, which just sort of totally makes sense on a just logical level if you think about it. Just it makes common sense. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering my listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% of your first subscription order at pros.com slash fake the nation um, will be taken off. That's 
pros.com slash bake the nation. You get your free consultation and 50% off your one of a kind formulas. Uh, again, that's pros.com slash bake the nation. Go and get your just super personalized, luxurious skincare products and hair care products. That's what I'm going to try next. So pros.com slash bake the nation. And we are back and we're ready for topic number two. So an Arizona-based junior staffer at the AP Wire was fired a few days after conservative groups targeted her for expressing pro-Palestinian sentiments on Twitter uh, when she was in college and then arguably throughout the situation that's happening with uh, Israel and Palestine. The AP said that she violated their social media policy but was totally vague. Um, I mean, what do you guys think? Here's that's just like the very basic story. When you get your first job, just delete your entire Twitter account. All of it. Just delete it all. We should have some sort of thing that you it deletes every two years or deletes every year. Just delete it, delete it, delete it. Because there's something once you get a job like that, there will be something in every single thing that you've ever said. That will be controversial. Or what you can do is every joke, really every thought you have that you commit to social media, you should put right after in parentheses an expiration date. That's I really think that for jokes, like to tell a joke, like it should just have an expiration date. And then if it's offensive after before that expiration date, you're liable. You know. That's true. That's true. We should not. Yeah. But the other thing I want to say about this, she was this was her first job out of college. God, so I like people she'd like to only think been she wrote there. in college. She's 23. Cody, so she had only been there for three I weeks. I know. I, like that's how new and fresh she was to this job. And it's an associate program. So like part of the idea is, hey, I'm going to make a bunch of mistakes because I'm a young idiot. Like yeah. and then the AP wire is going to um, help me grow wiser and stronger and uh, become a better journalist. It's not like and she was on. I don't even know what beat. She was not on the international news beat. She no. was on a like help other reporters like format documents beat. You know what I mean? She was like very clearly and oddly targeted. It's really silly, um, too, that the right does this where, um, you know, the, the media tries so hard to be objective that they end up throwing people under the bus for things that don't make any sense just in the name of objectivity. You know, we're going to be super even Steven. And it's really frustrating. Like you, you are allowed to have an opinion about things if you're a journalist you know obviously you don't have a journalistic or an opinion bent in something you're currently writing but like you're also allowed to have opinions about life other things she wasn't writing um you know about the stuff that she was getting um right she wasn't writing about the conflict right right uh here's something she said oh go ahead no i was gonna say i i think that's fair like um i'm a journalist and I should be careful on contentious issues that I might end up covering, but I can have opinions about other things. So on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, I demur, but I think both of you have really pretty hair. <laughs> Thank you very much. I know how to take also, a Also, yeah, you, you've had some very strong opinions about talking animals, which isn't going to get you trouble in trouble right now. But yeah, we I don't mean, know. You, we can't we don't hire know in you five to... years if you're go- if that's going to get you in so much fucking trouble. I'm yeah. not on the anthropomorphism beach. That's somebody else. 
Well, <laughs> you never know in 10 years. I also feel very, very good about the fact that I'm terrible at Twitter now. I'm really bad at Twitter. I never really like came up with funny little hot takes. I just, it's not my thing. And I'm feeling excellent about that. I feel really good about <laughs> Right, that. because it had no part in destroying your life. Yes. Let me say, let me read a little thing from her statement, which I thought was nice. And it kind of echoes what you were saying, Cody. She wrote, objectivity feels fickle when the basic term we use to report news implicitly stake a claim using Israel, but never Palestine, or war, but not siege and occupation, are political choices, yet media make those exact choices all the time without being flagged as bias. And I think that's exactly, uh, that's exactly right. We make a lot of political, uh, you know, uh, august institutions like the AP wire make a lot of those political in, uh, choices all day in the way they edit pieces, but they're not considered biased when in fact, you know, look at it from another lens and it's totally biased. Um, also, I want to say like, so many people are activists in college. Like, if you can't be an activist right. and then a journalist in college and then a journalist later in life, like, you're, there's no uh, hope for the world because it just it seems like um, that just that just happens um, a lot. And she also wrote, "What future does it promise to aspiring reporters that an institution like the Associated Press would sacrifice those with the least power to the cruel trolling of a group of anonymous bullies?" And to that point, I think that what's what's weird to me about this is that the AP wire didn't look at a bunch of fringe people who are trying to make this one random 23-year-old girl a target and say, I don't know, you guys are fighting, a, you know, you, you guys are picking on a on the on on a completely random target this is not legitimate this is not le you know this is bullying this is trolling and we're not going to engage like to me i don't i'm just surprised that the apyr didn't take more of a stance like that yeah you know I, I agree with that and i had hoped that this stuff would kind of wear itself out and you know the 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 person i think that's kind of help this the most in a way done the most good i should say is actually chrissy teigen when i think about chrissy teigen recently being called Ooh, out hot take i know, I know how unlikely <laughs> let's connect <laughs> this all is, the stories trend um no that chrissy teigen so, yeah. got called out for right attacking sending incredibly demeaning degrading oh, texts terrible. to this young woman who I, I don't remember the story exactly she yeah, married I don't an older guy but she, either, yeah. she got married when she was 16 or something and Chrissy Teigen had told her I hope you eat dirt I you should kill yourself and all this she was the the the, the texts resurfaced and then Chrissy Teigen admitted it all and said, yes, mm -hmm. I was I was attention starved. I was insecure. I said all these nasty things. And I think I, I would hope that if people do uh, behave more like that and and kind of fess up and keep moving forward, that all of this stuff will burn itself out eventually. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, with this lady, I would say uh, definitely that Chrissy Teigen is great for a form of an apology, which we'll get to in the Ellie Kemper story. But the the I think the thing with this particular story is that this girl has nothing to apologize for, really. Right. It is you in know a different situation. I mean? It's the fake right. media bias. It's the idea that we can't tell the truth because that's biased. So, yeah, the truth might be biased in showing one way or one other thing, but but we have to be able to say the truth. And if it leans towards a certain yeah. bent, then that's not, you know, we have to be able to say Donald Trump lost the election. 
and he lied about yeah. it. You know, we have right. to be able to say that as a fact. And if we're not able to say those things as facts or other things as facts, then what is this like? You can't say some people say that Donald Trump won the election and some people don't. That's not journalism. Journalism is saying Donald Trump lost the election and these people are lying about it. You know, that is an example yeah. of right. how the media tries so hard to be unbiased that they yeah. go the other way without they saying sometimes the truth. are like obfuscating the the truth um let's turn so we're taping this on on tuesday which is a little earlier than we normally tape it last night i was i i logged onto the old twitter and a i little noticed memorial day um, surprise i did just a, a little fun little memorial day surprise. day surprise it's so weird so in um so ellie kemper is trending and I was like oh why is she trending like maybe it's her birthday or something silly or whatever right um, but this is what it said on Twitter this is the Twitter summary in 1999 actor Ellie Kemper was named the queen of love and beauty at the Veiled Prophet Ball a debutante ball held in St. Louis Missouri which was founded by wealthy white elites in 1878 and emphasized the existing power structure according to the Atlantic Scott Bouchon so that's the so she was in a she was like a pageant queen or whatever in some pageant that in its origins in the 18... As all hundreds actually was, debutante was a, yeah. balls are steeped in horribly misogynistic yeah. and racist I mean, but culture. even, but everything was uh, was steeped in racism and misogyny. I mean, the post office was was built with racism These were, and misogyny. These anyway. were very... The, uh, de- so, all debutante right. balls are, are, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to say the uh, least. completely. We didn't really have them in California, so they're like kind of a, a, a thing I don't understand. But um, I, I'm from Ohio. Uh, yeah, no, I am a poor person from Ohio. I was not debuted at a debutante. Ball. Not <laughs> please, please get off this podcast immediately. <laughs> Mo, did you make your debut? Um, <laughs> well, in fact, my my white tails are out of the cleaners right now. <laughs> this is such a weird story. I um, hate Mo, what would you think when you I, saw I, this? Listen, and every time, you know, every time I think, wow, maybe Twitter isn't so bad. Oh, my God, look, all this money was just raised for pediatric cancer. Oh, my God, look, these two lonely people feel less alone because of social media. Then something like this happens. And I just and think like, it's no, nasty wrong. and yeah. awful. And yeah. I, I didn't even allow myself because a lot of people who sound smart were sounding off about it. But yeah. I knew that even if I went down the rabbit hole and read about it, I probably wouldn't learn much. And yeah. listen, I, I have no idea if this is affiliated with religion. Maybe it's, it's it, no. um, but it's not. You know no. that. Yeah, okay. I read. I read the article about it. it I I think. Are we canceling debutante balls? That is a cause that I can get behind. Yeah, that yeah, is a, yeah, a yeah. terrible. I, I I don't like a debutante ball. They're misogynistic. You parade your daughter in front of a bunch of other men, and, and like like their livestock, and you look at them and go, yes, you know, like it's yeah. But Cody, you're parading <laughs> her so that people know that she's marriageable. It's so, and I understand <laughs> people hide behind tradition. But if you look in your room and the tradition is all white people and everybody's yeah. wealthy, like maybe change your tradition. That being said, you know this is we we shouldn't be canceling one person for doing something twenty years ago. She's a victim of misogyny. I mean, real really like. 
she was paraded around by her parents. I, I just mean, like, let's yeah. cancel debutante balls. Let's not cancel individual people that were part of an institution or a tradition, in quotes, that they yeah, were raised in. 19? This didn't happen yesterday. This happened. I mean, right. she's the same age as me. Also, I just want to say I, I know Ellie a little bit, um, not well, but she is notoriously the nicest person, the most yeah. lovely, kind, yeah. generous person to everyone. Um, yeah. So it's just, to, it's also I, a sort of like, oh man, you know. Like to a nice, per- I know, and I and I have to say too, uh, I was in um, a brief, brief moment of Kimmy Schmidt. And so I worked with her for a day. And again, you're right, like super, super delightful. Like, you know, I had nothing but nice things to say about her. Oh my God, she was so kind. Um, you know, and I think you, it, it's, it's a lot of, like we do, we need to like look at these ridiculous, horrible institutions that have survived. But also just I, I think one of the things we should probably also point out is um, following a series of protests about exclusivity, that organization actually um, diversified, allowing African-Americans to join in 1979. Did any so of them want to changed. join? That's the... I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, I, I, oh, so, so many. Uh, <sighs> um, changes were made to the name um, in 92. They changed it to the Fair St. Louis. Um, you know, it said, uh, it, 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 it just sounds like, um, and it says now that the, the fair looks like any other celebration. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's based on sort of a Mardi Gras type thing. Right. It's a weird, weird ass thing. So it's like, I, 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 and my question, I guess, who are the people, is it, who are the people that dig up the things that were people where you, yeah. Who's on Memorial Day at their barbecue? People who have too much time on their hands. People who are unhappy. No, it's terrible. If if you if if you really care this much about something, then actually do the work. Don't be lazy. Look into yeah. it and write a real yeah. article about the tradition of debutantes and where it comes from and why it's bad or why it's not, or maybe why surprisingly some people, working class people, actually don't resent it or do resent it. But it, this yeah, is, yeah. but you know, anytime somebody tweets it's about stuff hunt. like this. You know, more often than not, I'll look at their little bio and it will say like, you know, father of three children or, you know, mother of two. And I think, are you really doing this? Like, I'm so glad I wasn't raised by you that you're on this social media (laughs) trashing this woman. Spend more time with your kids. Yeah, yeah. it's like, shouldn't you be doing, I mean, it's really ridiculous. And just, I I will Uh, say as somebody, because I'm the same age as Ellie, like, uh, you know, Things were different when we were younger. I grew yeah. up in Ohio. The internet, like, had just started. You know, yeah. like, you're the only people telling you what's what or what's okay or what's not are your family and the people that you're around. We didn't have, you know, Twitter to post something and be like, oh, that was not maybe, you know. I didn't know that many black people. I didn't know people of color. I didn't right. know Jewish people. You know, I, I just think, like, you're just raised a certain way and everybody looks like you and every – I mean – it seems to be a little bit different now. You can kind of be a little, yeah. you can awaken to to certain things being incorrect, but things were more insular back then. And I, I, are we really going to blame somebody for not and doing I, the, yeah. the research on the history of the debutante ball At that her 19. parents made her do? Right. I, I, 
I and again, and I just want to point out the the three of us are not black. Um, yes. And so I would love to hear from um, black listeners. What do you think? I mean, uh, you know, you you obviously hear us. We think it's like pretty harsh to um, to put someone against this. Again, this story came up before the panel was. Um, Sorry, after the panel was confirmed. And so uh, I'm curious to know what people think about this. Like, should she be held to the standard of, you know, of the choices that she made, um, you know, with her parents, you know, she should um, be as a put, youngin? She should be put in a time machine and we should go <laughs> back there and judge her in front of a tribunal. Well... <laughs> <laughs> that's a that seems like a really fair thing to do. Yeah, I, that sounds. Like I also a great she hasn't idea. come out with, yeah. uh, to my knowledge, hasn't come out with a statement. No, for it yet. No. So maybe she, you know, I I should be. You should be allowed let's to disavow things. Yeah. In, that you did twenty years ago. Maybe she won't. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Let's I would see, disavow. Let's see what she says. Her, but. Hey guys. Uh, yeah, I think she probably and she seems like the kind of well. We don't know. We don't know. Okay, um, folks, let me know what you think. I'm so curious. This is such a crazy story. Now let us move on to topic number three. So the term burnout dates back to 1973, which was news to me, but also somehow unsurprising because it's not like you can picture Eleanor Roosevelt being like, "Man, I'm burned out." You know what I mean? So it's a modern thing, um, and Jill Lepore wrote a piece about it in The New Yorker that we're going to talk about. But first, my question for you guys is, like, how do, do you define burnout, and what is your experience of it if you have experienced it? <laughs> we both don't, don't just jump in at once. very quiet. We're, we're burnt out. This has been a really long podcast. <laughs> this is a, yeah, 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 it's so too burnt long. Out from this currently burnt this out from it. <laughs> this year has been a, a whole lot of burnout. <laughs> well, what does it mean to you? Like, I don't how know. Do, how do you? I think Americans have this thing where we have to be the most tired and the most like overworked. Like, you know, oh, I'm a martyr because I slept two hours last night and I'm getting, you know, six degrees at once and I'm raising 12 children and I have no help. And, you know, it's like I think yeah. we th- we um really like thrive on that I work 80 hours a week you know it's we, we feel like we're doing something where's the rest of the world I feel like in Europe they're like why do you do that just can yeah like what is the point yeah, yeah I mean obviously people have to work a lot to make money but but uh, um you know we just pride ourselves on our sacrifice and I think of myself as a European. I really don't like working that much. I like to keep it like super. <laughs> That's why I'm an actor. You know, I just want to work like the bare minimum to afford the things I like. You know, uh, just I want to be on vacation six months out of the year, work six months out of the year. That's, you know, my goal. The dream. Yes. I think it was so great that you got Luxembourgian <laughs> citizenship. So they, your, your three months a year vacation are being subsidized by their government. I didn't say that government. I was able to do that. I just said that that's like my dream that's goal. That's the dream. It's my goal. Yeah. 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 Mo. Um, I define burnout, I think, well, um, when I'm not having fun with what I'm doing and, and not that, that, not that, that, you know, should be a given that work should always be fun, but, when honestly when I, th- there are times when 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 i've worked so hard that i can't see straight and so um that i think is burnout where it just becomes a little bit overwhelming where you feel like the water line is right up to your mouth and uh but you know it happens i mean and you know better to be too busy than 
to never be busy at all. I you guess. know, it's funny because the term itself has had such an interesting evolution. Like you'll you'll see in that article, it started out sort of with people who were kind of in a lot of like caretaking fields or like in mental health. Um, there was a there was a person who was running who opened a free clinic. Um, so he did therapy um, and then mental health stuff by day at like a job where he was paid, and then at like six p.m. he would go to the free clinic and work all night. So he was basically working like 9 a.m. to like, you know, 11 p.m. every day. And then and then he started using the term burnout um, to describe how he was feeling, which is a term that was used more popularly among like drug users, right? Like, oh, those burnouts or whatever. Oh, yeah. And so, so burnout, he sort of like took on in this other sense of like, I'm really fucking tired because, oh, yeah, I'm working a full-time job and then I'm working another full-time job where I'm not getting paid but it's a really good um a really good mission and so um you know it's it's funny how that how that's changed but so and it's also interesting to me because at that time it's sort of like yeah you have every reason to be burned out but then it kind of turned into this more the thing that you're talking about Cody where it's like people with white collar jobs who are just like making more money than God and they're burned out because it's just so hard to make so much money all the time. Yeah. And it sort of took on this gross, more gross vibe, I think, which isn't to say I I probably, I've used the term ter- burnout for myself. And I, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have used it and they're like, no, I'm like not gross. But, uh, <laughs> but it has taken on this kind of like, like how much do you associate that term or whatever with like, you know the kind of a yeah exactly like the rich yeah. people by the way you made me feel like a, you made me feel like a total <laughs> asshole because after i talked about how i work so hard i can't see straight working in media <laughs> you, you talk about a guy working at a free clinic so take back you everything you sound better said. than me i was like um, i just want to be on vacation <laughs> <laughs> but but i'm curious about the two of you since you have kids mm-hmm. i remember i read something years ago about how parents were horrified when their own children, when asked what they hear their parents say a lot of the time, that the children would parrot their parents saying, I'm busy, you know, like always talking about how busy right. they are. And anyway, I'm wondering if, if I wonder if, you're, if your children ever say something to you about your level of activity that makes you think, I'm either doing too much or what. I, I mean, I, I mean, go ahead. My kid, my kid isn't like sophisticated enough to have that level of analysis <laughs> quite yet. Um, but um, I will say that what's interesting is to is for every parent to complain, and and it's not like. It's not like I became a parent and I started complaining. I was complaining somehow about not having any time before I was a parent. And then I just seemed to have compounded the issue. Like, it's like I didn't realize that I I had it so great, you know, as a non-parent. But anyways, so I've just been like a dick complaining about time and feeling (laughs) exhausted or whatever. Uh, and then, and then I think, you know, and one of the things that, that Joe Laporte says in the article, she says, if everyone is burned out and always has been burnout is just the hell of life. Right. (laughs) Like, and I think that's what it is. It's like, oh, is it just that like, this is what it is. But, but then Cody, you're right. It doesn't have, we could be Luxembourg. We could give people you know, a little bit more assistance, give people childcare. Like there's a lot of things we could do. And obviously, you know, 
that's not the reason why everybody's burnt out. But I think the reason that America is burnt out is because they have to work too hard. You know, they have to work two jobs and then also take care of their kids. There's no family nearby to help. You know, it's not like the, the whole nuclear family of the 50s or whatever where the man goes to work and he only works 40 hours a week and then also gets vacation with his family and he makes enough that he's able to do it, you know, whatever. Right. Like, and then the mom was there, but she had the the grandmother that lived next door and the aunt. So she needed, you know, there was help. We don't have any of that. So we just have people working multiple jobs in order to afford health care and in order to afford food and education is more expensive. Everything is more expensive. Well, a couple of things that the article pointed out that I thought was interesting is um, if you ask, like, okay, if this is actually something that's happening more recently, it was coined in the 70s. And then here we mm-hmm. are. What started it? Like, why is it happening? And so you, you know, Cody, you bring up the decline of like the traditional roles of the nuclear family. I'm not saying I want to go back to the 50s by the way. No, by the way. For <laughs> no, the, no, no, I know. there are and many bad things. The, just by the way, I just want you guys both to know that anything you say on this podcast, your careers are already over <laughs> just for being on this podcast. Well, not- no, but I do I do actually want to say that I want to take Cody back to the 1950s so she can finally have that <laughs> debut you so <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> but a, another thing that's happened in that time is the decline of church membership. Right mm-hmm. in 1985, 71% of Americans belong to a house of worship um but that percentage has declined um and and by the way in 1981 it was like the same number as it was in the 1940s so things remained remarkably consistent for decades on that front because you sort of like put your 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 problems into the church and the church supported you right like that's the idea in 2020 only 47 percent of americans belong to an institution of faith um the other thing that's happened at that in that time manufacturing jobs have disappeared they're now service jobs they're not right? coming back those manufacturing jobs and be, be, the other thing that seemed to have disappeared along with the manufacturing jobs and this is annoying is collective action in the service of more fair work mm. so like we're trying to unionize you know a factory we're trying to unionize warehouse workers and stuff like that and having a, such a hard time um but at the but back in the back in the day collective action was really like constant and normal and it's like how workers got better stuff so we have you know d- you, there's a decline in that as well so i mean do, any other theories on why we're more born, burned out than before well, you know, can I just – so my boyfriend was working as a waiter for a while at – and I think I can say this. I don't think I would be um, speaking out of school here. He was waiting tables at Gramercy okay. Tavern at one Familiar. point, one of the best restaurants Lovely. in the country. If you ever went to that restaurant – and I bet if you were to poll people who go to that restaurant and you ask them, how do the waiters who work there live? They'd say, well, this is top of the line. So they probably live in nice apartments. <laughs> they probably live close yeah, to work. Yeah. They, they would probably right. think that. I think they, I would have thought that. I guess. And not, yeah. that's not the Ow. case at all. Even at the very top of the line restaurant like that, most of the staff were working other jobs as well. Um, and, they were really, really struggling. They weren't living in that neighborhood, which is a nice neighborhood. It's – I just think that there's just a, a huge disconnect in terms of most people don't uh, – most people who are not working class or, do, or aren't in service jobs don't understand how hard it is to get by. 
And so anyway, I understand why, why service workers, um, many of whom are working multiple jobs, are burnt out. Uh, I waited tables for 10 years, and I'm still burnt out. That's why I want to be on a vacation. <laughs> I haven't waited tables in 10 years, but I uh, it, I literally, like, my 20s, I was like, I can't do this past 30 or I'll hate uh, humans. And I luckily was able to stop. <laughs> um, but I think, I think it's more – all of that is true, and I think that one thing that's uniquely American is we, we idolize that, you know? We say, like, good for you. Good for you. You're working three jobs, you know, rather than saying, like, that's not okay. We should help you. Right. That the uh, the undergirding force of all of it is Americans picking themselves up from their own bootstraps. They don't need anyone's help. They'll fucking faint before they ask for help. (laughs) Like, it's. And that's that's good that they fainted. They almost died. Good for them. Congratulations. Good for them. Yeah, that shows how hardcore they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right, folks, let me know what what is your relationship to burnoutism? Have you been burnout? What is your definition of burnout? Do you like the term? Do you think it's ridiculous? Is it just a description of the hell of modern life? (laughs) That part of the article is depressing uh let me know all right that folks is the end of the show oh my god i i think you guys are really fantastic and what i would really love is for the people of faith the nation to know exactly where they can find you and follow all the amazing things that you do cody where do they do that i mean you can find me on twitter hopefully i won't have anything too controversial uh cody lindquist on twitter um cody lindquist on instagram Showtime's our cartoon president. <laughs> I'm gonna be looking at your the early days of your Twitter feed. So, oh no, uh, I'm actually probably gonna delete warned. it. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm at the point now where I'm just gonna delete all <laughs> Twitter just and start do over. A wholesale delete. So if you go there and there's nothing there, wait for those cool <laughs> You're tweets. You're starting over. <laughs> Mo, where do they find you? You can find me um, walking around West Village. Um, <laughs> I'm really in love with this frozen yogurt place called Culture. It's on 8th Street. Oh, I know that place. So, Is it good? I haven't it's been. Great. It's I've, great. I walked by. And the flavor, unsweetened raspberry, sounds like a bummer, but it's actually really good. And if you get in a swirl with the original, which is kind of a vanilla it's just fantastic. So I'm just hanging like, out there a lot This is now. making my mouth water, and I'm I know exactly where it is. From I can picture it. Then, I mean, I'm going to go. And listeners will be able to find all of us there. <laughs> uh, well, and you can also to... find me on my super boring Twitter feed because I just I gave up a long time ago. Now it's just delete kind of it like... with like me. We'll start over together, Mo. <laughs> We're jumping can... out of an airplane together. <laughs> <laughs> and you can subscribe to his podcast, Mobituaries, and uh, and all of that stuff, folks. Uh, you know where to find me. And just a reminder: June eighth at Caveat in, in New York City, you can see me perform. Uh, Nagin Farsad presents an evening of comedy from her mouth hole. And uh, thanks so much for people who already bought tickets. It's so delightful. And I just want to do a big thank you to the people that make this show happen. That's our producer, Julia Linden, our sound engineer, Stephanie Aguilar, and all the wonderful people at HeadGum. Our theme music was written by Gabi Alter. And as always, 
please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts because it helps people find the show. That's an actual real thing. So please do it. Email us at vaccination at headgum.com and join the Patreon for bonus content and so much more. Uh, you can do that at patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. Thanks so much for everyone at Vaccination who has already joined the Patreon. You've been getting the free stuff. I hope you've been enjoying it. Conversations like the one you hear every week are... Um, bonuses on Patreon. And that is it for us. We'll be back in your earballs next week. That was a headgum podcast.